0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? As we approach the end of this year, would you please consider giving a special gift to this ministry? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you joined us today. Can you do me a favor, strap on your seatbelt. We're gonna navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, as we sit here in the last week of the year, I think about the fact that I've given that open probably over 200 times this year, again and again and again. And it's such a privilege to be a part of your daily lives, to be a part of your walk with Jesus. And uh, I count it a great joy to encourage your faith, to remind you of the truth of the gospel, to let you know that you're not crazy in a culture that is going crazy you're not crazy for trusting in Jesus, that you have not believed in vain. I hope I've been an encouragement to your heart. I hope that I've been a prayer partner for you at times to remind you that God loves you so very much. And for some of you, I hope that I've introduced you to the guest that matters more to me than any other, and that is to Jesus Christ. He is the special featured guest of each program that we have here on Equip. And if we've been a blessing to you, if you've been encouraged through the program, can I ask you to stand with us? This is such an important time of the year. Prayerfully and financially, we will end this year with the resources needed to start the next year strong. There are so many daunting challenges. I don't need to tell you of all of the lies of our culture, the challenges to morality, And you see the effects on your own family, or maybe even the next generation. But we are unwavering in our commitment to the gospel. So I'm asking for you to stand with us at equipradio.org and to give your most generous gift. And so I'm asking for you to prayerfully consider helping us to finish this season strong. A couple ways you can do that. One is by becoming a monthly partner. Uh, These are good folks who come alongside of us and set aside uh, maybe a dollar a day gift, $30 a month to invest in uh, this ministry that touches the lives of so many. And know your partnership together is helping to change the world one life at a time. Or you can give a one-time gift. We call those gifts impact gifts. And uh, if God has blessed you only if you've been edified through this ministry, what we ask for you to support, if you're just checking us out, please feel no pressure. But if you have been touched by our guest, our resources, wisdom that has been offered, could you please dial the number now, 888-644-4144. I'll give it again. It's 888-644-4144. Or as always, EquipRadio.org is available to you. So here's the question that we all have to uh, wrestle with. If we believe in the sovereignty of God, as I do, and I hope you do as well, as the starting point for all theology, good theology, then the question that we have to consider or contend with is, uh, how do we trust God through seasons of suffering? I think we all find it easy to trust God when life is going well what do we do when pain seems to be the dominant narrative of our lives? Uh, What do we do when it seems like God is silent in our suffering, or even worse, that God's sovereignty is directed towards us in our suffering as well? If we're going to celebrate that he is owner of our highland moments, our mountaintop moments, then we also have to recognize that he is just as much Lord in our valleys. So to to help us to process through this massive multi-millennial old question is Christopher Ash. Christopher Ash is um, a scholar who writes with a pastor's pen. He is a writer in residence at Tyndale House in Cambridge. He is a full-time preacher, speaker, and writer as well. He previously serves as the the, uh, director of the Proclamation Trust uh, Cornhill training course, and as minister and church planner. He and his wife, Carolyn, are members of St. Andrew the Great Church in Cambridge. And Christopher, I think I'm right when I say you have four uh just south of perfect children and seven perfect grandchildren. Is that right? Very nearly. We've now got eight grandchildren. Oh,
1: wow. The, 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 the last one was born just a month ago. So we're now up to it. It keeps changing.
0: Have, have you figured out yet, uh, theologically, how to justify the fact that the fall seems to skip grandchildren? Have you, have you uh, been able to write on that at all? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Well, we reckon <laughs> that none of, none of their faults come down to us. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, congratulations to you and your family. Uh, before we get into the contents of the book, how, how are you doing? How are, is the work going at Tyndale House?
1: Uh, Tyndale House is going well. Um, personally, I think I'm up and down. I think all the restrictions and things have taken their toll a bit, as they have with so many of us. And I think those of us who are pastors at heart, uh, these, are, these are difficult days, and sometimes I find my, my morale a bit low as a result. But um, today's not a bad day,
0: and uh, faith yeah. is pressing on in the good days and the bad days. It seems to me that even in the way you've answered that question, it reveals a lot about um, the honesty, the vulnerability uh, that marks your life. I think that for whatever reason, many of us as Christians— have been either inadvertently or directly um, trained to minimize the challenges of life, to quickly bypass the difficulties, to get to the good part, to treat uh, the Christian life as if every day was ice cream and rainbows. But that just is not consistent with the biblical narrative or what we experience practically in the Christian life, is it?
1: No, no, it isn't. And it's there are cultural differences, and uh, I guess in some ways our Western cultures are moving towards talking a lot about mental health, perhaps a bit too much sometimes. Uh, sometimes the pendulum swings the other way, and uh, people are, are talking, you know, somebody says, somebody made me cry, it's affecting my mental health, and uh, we want to say, oh, you probably need to meet someone who's got real mental health problems.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think that for us, we have major sections of our scriptures that we would do well to spend more time in. Um, I am drawn as a pastor to the writings of Paul. I am Hmm. drawn to the Gospels. I find myself celebrating the Psalms. I love the wisdom of the Proverbs. But it's been said and noted, Christopher, that the book of Job might be the hardest book of the Bible to find for most Christians. And it's not that Job moves, it's always right where it's located. (laughs) It it, it doesn't move. It's just that many of us don't wanna find Job because when we find Job, we discover uh, a part of life that is very real but all too often denied or minimized. What would would prompt you, Christopher Ash, to write a book based off of Job? I
1: think what you've just said, Chris, is a good reason. If there's a part of the scriptures that we neglect, it's worth trying to help one another to get into that part, because God hasn't given it to us for no reason. And so that's a good reason. As I go on working on the book of Job from time to time, I'm just conscious how deeply relevant it is to uh, a Christian cultures, which in parts of the world, it's the so-called prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. But I think in Western cultures, it's often what I call the therapeutic gospel, which is the the sort of pseudo gospel that says, um, God is there for me to make me feel good. And uh, Job speaks to both of those mistakes and does so in a, a way which is sobering and dark. But ultimately, because it's realistic and because it leads to Christ, ultimately it's a wonderfully
0: encouraging book. Yeah, I, I think that to hear you say that is different than what the way most would describe it. I think it was Christian Smith, the so, sociologist who described this generation of spirituality within Christian circles as a moralistic therapeutic deism. Mm. Uh, yes, you, you did, you, didn't you? Did. You kind of, kind of uh, reference that or inferred that mm-hmm. in your statement. W- what is that for those who may be unfamiliar with that uh, moralistic, therapeutic deism, and how does that contrast against uh, biblical Christianity?
1: I, As I understand it, and I may have got this wrong, but as I understand it, it's the observation that people often default to think that if there is a God, God is somewhat distant, hence the deism. But that that God's function, if I can put it like that, is therapeutic to make me feel good, um, to, to heal me and make me feel good. And it's moralistic because, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about this, it's not dissimilar to the worldview of Job's comforters, uh, and i need to try to be good or live in be true to myself that sort of thing but if i do i can expect that life will go well and that so much of our christianity um shifts over into that kind of shallow imitation yes. of real discipleship i don't know if i've expressed that right or
0: i think accurately. you have yeah i think you have and and i think that added to that is Kind of this sense of uh, me-centeredness, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that over deifies uh, us and uh, che- cheapens or lessens the sovereignty of God and our dependency on Him. The book, yes. and I've—I've—forgive uh, uh, me, I failed to uh, mention the title of the book. It is "Trusting God in the Darkness." Trusting God in the Darkness. The newest book by Christopher Ash. Subtitle: A Guide to Understanding. Uh, the book of Job. I'll have you give us an overview of the book of Job when we come back from a break. But before we go to that break, quick question for you, and that is this. It seems that in a world that feels like it's spinning out of control, that it becomes increasingly difficult to believe that God has everything under his control. Uh, What do you say to those who are struggling with that?
1: It's, It's a good question. Uh, but it often reveals more about how we think the world ought to be uh, and about our reluctance to let God be God and to let God tell us how he governs the world. And I think the book of Job is going to help us a lot with that, with that question. We, it's so often the, the sort of arrogance that we, we say, well, if I were God, I wouldn't do it this way. And because I can't understand why God governs the world the way he does, I sometimes
0: reject the sovereignty of God or try to. With that said, let's let's prepare for a break. And these are opportunities for you to uh, go to our website and investigate uh, the resource. And I would highly commend Christopher Ashe's wonderful book to you. A very meaningful book to you, Trusting God in the Darkness. If you have, um, like many of us, neglected the wisdom of Job, if you have felt that Job is distant from you, it feels too long or too confusing, um, or that somehow it contains no comfort, then just know you're not alone But Christopher Ashe has written this volume specifically for for you and for all of us to be able to see God's goodness and grace, even through the book of Job and even in our dark seasons. I want to encourage your heart. And in order to do that, I'm going to ask you to stick and stay. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. at equipped is our goal to strengthen your faith and we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program but we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone that's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, Trusting God in the Darkness, written by Christopher Ash, is our featured resource of the day. I would encourage you to find out more by going to our website, equipradio.org. Also, our social media platforms are available to you at Equip Radio on Facebook and on Twitter. We have features there for Trusting God in the Darkness. It is a guide to understanding the book of Job. And if you are wired like me, Hopefully your, your love for Scripture causes you to desire to uh, delve deeper into the, uh, maybe the neglected or um, under-resourced, under-traversed sections of Scripture. And I think for many of us, Job would qualify as an area that has uh, a need of deeper study. Uh, but Christopher, if, for those who feel confused by Job, uh, maybe feel like, They already know the punchline, if you will, the moral of the story, or maybe feel that, uh, man, this book is somewhat intimidating. You give in chapter one uh, a basic introduction to the book, but what would you say for those who are intimidated on how to start engaging with Job?
1: Uh, It is an intimidating book. Uh, Many of us are familiar with the first two chapters where the story um, kicks off it with high drama with scenes in heaven and scenes on earth and many of us are reasonably familiar at the end with parts of the Lord's speeches and the conclusion of, in the last chapter but in between you're reading them and and sometimes you just think to yourself I don't know who's saying what and it is confusing and I've tried to write this book as a kind of way in to the different bits of the book. The, the, the three sections of the book are the first two chapters, or or first chapter and a half, which tells us, introduces Job, tells us what happened to him as a godly believer. Then his friends are introduced at the end of chapter two. And the next long section of the book, all the way from the end of chapter two, right the way through to the end of chapter 31, is Job debating with his friends uh, uh, about why what's happening to Job is happening, how does God govern the world, and that kind of thing, these big questions, um, right the way through chapters 3 to 31. And then from chapter 32, you begin to get the answers. First of all, uh, through a man called Elihu in chapters 32 to 37, and then the Lord's magnificent speeches in chapters 38, 40, and 41. And then the story draws to a close. It's not, if you get hold of the main bits of the book and what's going on, and my little introduction, I think, gives quite a readable way in to do that. It's not nearly as bad as, as, you, as, as, as you might think when you're, when you're reading through it.
0: What are wheelchair questions?
1: Ah, uh-huh. yes. In the introduction, I talk about what I call wheelchair questions and armchair questions. And um, by a wheelchair question, I mean a question that is asked from a position of suffering. When somebody asks a real question about pain and suffering from a position of pain and suffering. And And by an armchair question, I mean the kind of casual question that a university debater or a talk show might have, where people aren't particularly suffering, but they just enjoy tossing difficult questions around, And so I've suggested that Job is a book for uh, those who are in the position of really suffering and grappling with these questions for themselves or indeed for people whom they love.
0: I want to start with asking some questions for uh, those who are listening about what you have discovered about the nature of God, but give us a sense of um, how much of your time and attention you've invested into understanding Job. That's very hard to answer.
1: It's been a business of a number of years. I wrote a long commentary for Crossway called Job, The Wisdom of the Cross, which goes mm-hmm. right through every verse of the book, and that's a detailed commentary. This little introduction, which I originally wrote for the UK before that, and I've, I've, I've redone it for North America, um, is, is a lighter way in for people who don't really want to, to, to plod through every verse um, yes. of of the book so I, I it's very hard to tell how long I've spent on it I mean I've been working on it on and off uh, since about 2003 I think it was or yeah. two um, but I've been doing other things as well I haven't just been thinking about Job
0: well, you know, I, I think it's, it's noteworthy to understand you don't write a verse-by-verse commentary without a tremendous amount of thought and scholarship into a book. I say all that just to say that um, you're, you're um, qualified to be able to have this discussion with. And so let's talk about some of the things that at least for you, Christopher Ashe, you have discovered about the nature of God first. Uh, as you read through Job, it's interesting how the book opens with uh, Satan literally coming before God and asking for permission, if you will, uh, almost baiting it seems God um, concerning Job. What what does the opening of Job uh, communicate to you about God and the nature of our world as well? That is such a good question. And
1: you get in the, in the two scenes in heaven, you get the sons of God or angels. So these are beings who are supernatural, but they're not gods. And the Satan is one of them. Uh, and he, they teach us that God is absolutely sovereign, mm-hmm. but that he chooses to govern the world through intermediate agencies, Powers that are less than God but supernatural, and that He governs the world through those intermediate agencies, and some of those agencies, Satan and all his, um, uh, those who work for him, uh, are evil. So it's this really mind-stretching thought that that God uses. He's, God Himself has no evil. He's not the origin of evil. He's not behind evil. And yet he shapes and governs the world using evil, amongst other things, to work out his purposes of love and goodness. And I think that really helps because it distinguishes Christianity from a religion like Islam, which, as I understand it, has a God who is simply in control, full stop. Uh, And it distinguishes Christianity from Uh, polytheism or animism, the sort of thing where there are lots of different gods or goddesses all fighting it out, and you never know who's going to win. Yes. But the, (laughs) the Bible's view is realistic about evil, and there are such things as supernatural forces of evil, but they are not divine, and God is using them and weaving them. I think Luther
0: famously called Satan God's Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you you walk away with no other conclusion if you give a fair reading to this book that God is sovereign, and not only, again, Mm -hmm. over uh, the the parts of this world and his creation that we would deem good, but over all of it, not just bits and parts, but all of it. uh, That's difficult for some to wrap their mind around. Understandably so, Uh, God is not neatly packaged into our boxes or or, or categories. Uh, Neither are his ways or activities. I, I don't know about you, Christopher, but I've always, when it comes to the question of why evil or why pain and suffering, I've always preferred to take a cumulative case approach instead of trying to find one reason that answers for all cases of evil or suffering in our world but to be able to say that there may be various reasons why this moment is is happening. In Job's life, I think what makes it so perplexing is that uh, even Satan affirms that this man is blameless. He's a man of integrity. He's a man that um, seems to uh, hold fast to his integrity. So so how do we process that? I have been very, very struck in
1: studying the book of Job by the many ways in which Job foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously, and he says some things he shouldn't say and has to repent of them at the end. But in his blamelessness and his suffering, he foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's something about undeserved suffering which reaches its culmination in the cross and without which there could never in the universe be undeserved grace. And so there's something profoundly gospel-shaped about the sufferings of Job and also about the sufferings of the Christian believer, which Paul calls the, the, the overflow or what's lacking in some strange way in the sufferings of Christ. In, um, in his letter to the Colossians. So that there's something about undeserved yes. suffering, which yeah. is profoundly connected to undeserved grace in mm-hmm. the universe. And I found that a very, very profound thought and one that, that really helps. It doesn't answer every question. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure we're meant to answer every question, yeah. but it gives us something which is really significant
0: and gospel-shaped. So, well said. What does Job teach us about weeping with those who weep? We'll talk to Christopher about that on the other side of this break. And what are the biggest misconceptions about God in the midst of our suffering? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bless five individuals with complimentary copies of Trusting God in the Darkness through our social media sites. Go there now, Facebook and Twitter, Equipped Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to a pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. You know, we're always committed to helping you to build your library with great books. As a matter of fact, if you were to check the shelves of my library, you would find the books of our guests lining them. It's because I believe that the guests we have on this program uh, are uh, some of the most thoughtful Christians uh, that we have in this generation. Christopher Ash certainly ranks in that group. And his most recent work, Trusting God in the Darkness, A Guide to Understanding the Book of Job, is well worth your being added to your bookshelf. So how are we going to bless you? Well, we're going to give away five complimentary copies today. Uh, everyone can order a copy, so feel uh, free to do that. We have information links on our website for you to learn more about that if you go uh, to our website or a program uh, guide today. But also, if you go to our social media site and uh, let us know you're, you're interested, and, and I would say three groups that could benefit from this book, certainly pastors who want to shepherd uh, their people well through uh, suffering. Um, it is very important for us to be able to not only teach people on how to honor God in uh, the, the uh, easy or good parts of life when life is going easily, but also how to honor God in the hard parts of life. And so uh, pastors, secondly, those who find themselves in, uh, as Christopher describes it, the wheelchair. You, you're in a season of suffering yourself, maybe physically, emotionally, maybe you've exhausted your, your hope. As the prophet says in the book of Lamentations, my hope has been expended. I have no hope left. Maybe you find yourself there. I certainly know what that's like. Uh, This resource could make a huge difference in your understanding of God. But then thirdly, maybe you're a friend to someone, a loved one of someone who is currently going through a storm, a trial, and a dark season man, what a blessing you could be. So I want to encourage you, get your hands on a copy of this resource, Trusting God in the Darkness. Christopher Ash is the author, and he's with us today. Um, Christopher, you know, so many questions that that I would have about the book of Job. I don't know which one I wrestle with more, struggle with more. Uh, Evil that is caused by the hands of humanity, or what uh, many would call in secular world, natural disasters, both show up in the book of Job, don't they?
1: They certainly do. So you get what we would call war and terrorism, and you get something that comes from the weather, disasters that come from the weather. Um, and they both show up, and they're both treated much the same, really, as though they come from um, the hand of God through Satan. And they're part of God's purposes in some strange way. And it's really intense.
0: Really strong and
1: intense.
0: You have a chapter entitled Weep with Those Who Weep. Um, Help us to understand what that means. Yes, chapter 3,
1: where Job uh, laments. And he's just speaking to himself, really, uh, uh, about his misery. And it's an enormously powerful chapter. When I first preached it, uh, I was a pastor. We didn't have any music in our meeting that Sunday evening. None at all. We didn't sing. We didn't listen to any music. Uh, we listened to some of Jeremiah's laments. We listened to Psalm 137. We listened to something of the story of William Cooper, the, the, the hymn writer, and his depression. And we had no music and it really helped us to weep with those who weep. And I had an extraordinary response of, of uh, people in the church thanking me uh, for something that was realistic about suffering. And there's something wonderful about, about diving in to the scriptures and feeling something of the darkness
0: it's it's a profound reality that you uh, that you allude to in the scriptures. Again, um, I, I think in some ways this is further affirmation of the earmarks of divinity. Um, certainly, if I'm writing a book uh, just as a fan, uh, I'm not including this these dark moments of questioning, lament. Uh, the fact that these are included just speaks to the fact that this is far more. Uh, than a book that is um, inspired by humanity uh, I don't know about your dreams but in my dreams I'm always the hero things are always good you know uh, yes. but this is this is far more uh, in in line and consistent with the reality that life presents us with pain and it is a book that helps us to understand uh, the source of this and and God's grace in, in the midst what is what was maybe your uh, your biggest surprise in studying job i
1: hard to know what to say but i think one of them is that job at the beginning will have shared with his comforters uh, certain assumptions so they all agreed that god is sovereign which is true they all agreed that god is just which is true and His comforters assumed that if something good happens to you, it must mean that you did something good to deserve it. A sort of law of karma and or or, or in the sound of music um, somewhere in my youth and childhood, I must have done something good. That's the theology of Job's comforters. And Job begins with that assumption, but he honestly questions it because he knows it's not true for him. And he gradually wins through by grace to this understanding, some understanding of the sovereignty of God, and that that there is a place for undeserved suffering in God's gracious plans for the universe. And I think that really struck me, the difference between the comforters, who are just formulaic, they're not going to let the evidence get in the way of a good theory, and Job himself, who is honestly grappling in the presence of God with these difficult questions, and God affirms him at the end as having spoken rightly, even though he says some things he shouldn't have said, but, but the big he's, the headline the headline is he's spoken rightly, chapter forty two, verse seven. So that was a surprise just to see how Job and the Comforters they share the understanding of any morally serious person in the world that there is right and wrong and if you do right you can expect things to go well and if you do wrong you can expect things to go badly and that's that's how everybody begins but the gospel says uh you you you, there is such a thing as pure undeserved grace and the reason for that is that there is something as as, as, as pure undeserved suffering it could be said across
0: it could be said when we are experiencing undeserved suffering uh, that our lives are pointing people to the cross, reflecting mm. the gospel in, in a lived way uh, that allows us to be an embodiment of the message and the ministry of of Christ, pointing people again mm. to the one mm. who ultimately suffered unjustly uh, for, for your sins and for mine. Uh, maybe a verse that sticks out to me in the book of Job. I, I first heard John Piper, I believe it was maybe a decade ago, uh, deliver a message called Words for the Wind, Words for the Wind. And it was based off of Job 626, which says, do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind? And it's as if Job is communicating, hey, you're, you're being tripped up by my words. You're judging me for not saying everything appropriately or... um or sensitively, but my words are just wind right now. And I think mm-hmm. about how often in my pain and in my suffering, um, I've had to be forgiven for um, maybe expressing myself in my pain in a way that I revealed the hurt, the emotions of it. Uh, we learn a lot about the nature of humanity through Job, don't we? Uh, we certainly do. And we learn a lot about God. I, I,
1: constantly come back to James chapter 5, which talks about the steadfastness of Job and goes straight on to say, you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And you probably wouldn't immediately think the book of Job is about the Lord's compassion and mercy. And yes, it is. And I want to commend it to all your listeners that the book of Job is uh, a book which teaches us the Lord's compassion and mercy, but does so in ways that really stretch our thinking.
0: These friends, uh, comforters, if you will, of Job, often get criticism. Uh, But what did they get right?
1: Well, they got right that God is sovereign and that God is just. Uh, They said that constantly, and Job said that, and it's true. But they had no place for undeserved suffering so in chapter four Eliphaz uh, one of the comforters asks the question who that was innocent ever suffered and the implication is nobody who's innocent (laughs) could possibly have suffered and you Mm. you say to yourself well there's no place in your thinking for the cross of Christ
0: yes 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 what a wonderful observation, and what a profound truth! And it is no small thing for you to say these two characteristics of God: He is sovereign, and He is just. Yeah, these are yeah. just massive, massively important qualities of God um, mm-hmm. that that merit, um, you know, uh, just in-depth study and and discussion. Uh, in particular, for a, a generation that is. So, desires of justice. Um, yes, and, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, looking for that.
1: Yeah, they sort of, they, they, they're kind of law without gospel. Yes. That's how yes. I
0: characterize them. There's no yes. gospel yes. in what they say. Yes. But there's
1: the, the seeds of the law of God are there.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it is brilliant uh, in, in, in uh, the, the way that the Spirit of God, through the book of Job, reveals to us that if we are going to be a people that embrace unmerited grace unmerited love undeserved blessing then it seems to me that we must then also recognize that there is place for what seems to be unjustified suffering Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. um Job teaches us much there. We're going to take one final break. And then when we come back, Christopher, we'll be in the rapid fire round, what I call the rapid fire round, where I'm going to ask a few questions and we'll get in as many of the remaining questions as possible. And you, I hope, will do your best to give us uh, well-reasoned, albeit brief answers to these questions. Uh, The book is Trusting God in the Darkness for every pastor who's listening uh, this could be a wonderful tool. This uh, book was shaped from the preaching ministry of Christopher Ash, And uh, as always, he brings a scholar's mind and a pastor's pen to every book that he writes. I highly recommend it to you. If you're in the season of suffering, you need to hear God's voice. Don't be like Adam running from God, but run to God in your suffering. And then if you're a sojourner, a friend, a loved one, get this resource for someone you love, it can make all the difference. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Also, social media available, one of five. We'll pick names today. We'll be right back. You know, I've heard that for every one person that sends a gift to support Equip, there are probably 10 others that don't. But I can tell you this, we deeply appreciate every single one of you who support this program. Your impact is huge. Maybe it's been a long time since you've contacted Equip, or maybe you've never responded. Isn't it time to call? Here's the number, 888-644-4144 or EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Can't thank Christopher Ashe enough for carving out time to be with us. I hope you're being edified uh, by this conversation. We have it, uh, certainly not for mere academic reasons. Uh, my desire is not to simply fill your notebook with tons of great facts and information. Uh, it is uh, for the living. Scripture is given, given to us for the living. And I want you to be able to live well in all seasons. That includes your seasons of, of suffering, to know the closeness of your Savior and to recognize you don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our afflictions. Um, let's, let's talk about a theology of, of Satan and, and the devil. What do you feel we need to know, Christopher, uh, about this, the influence of Satan and the devil? Uh, that he's
1: real, he's supernatural, uh, he's not an alternative God. He is a creature, a rebellious creature, and he is used by God against his own will for God's purposes. And in the end, he will achieve nothing to frustrate the sovereign good purposes
0: of God. I love that. And, and I think that we who want to take, again, the bits and pieces of Scripture that seem convenient to us and reject the others often take heaven while rejecting hell. Uh, we, we take God and angels while rejecting Satan and demons. And the fact is, is the same Bible uh, that is divine uh, and inerrant, infallible, gives us both. Um, let's talk about suffering today as Christians um, what do we? What should we understand as being the difference between uh, our suffering and non-Christian suffering? To put it
1: bluntly, uh, suffering outside of Christ is a terrible thing, but it is an anticipation of a much worse suffering unless a man or woman trusts in Christ. Suffering in Christ can never be a punishment. For sins because Christ has paid for our sins. It may be the Father's wise discipline, or it may be something that's part of the cost of getting the gospel out in the world, or it may be something we simply don't understand but it's in some way an overflow of the sufferings of Christ, but not a punishment
0: it's interesting because, uh, you know, as we as we think through what it means to be a child of God, that relationship really marks how we understand all things, doesn't it? Yes, it does.
1: It really does. And the
0: book of Job does not contradict that. So ultimately, uh, what is your hope for those who uh, pick up the book, for those who uh, would Uh, spend dedicated time to reading through the pages what is your hope my hope is that faith in
1: Christ will be deepened and that as the poetry of Job seeps into our bloodstreams we we not only understand Christ more deeply but we feel Christ more deeply
0: You know, I always, with every author, um, I love to ask uh, a question either at the beginning or at the end about the dedication page. Because I think dedication pages are easily overlooked, but they speak volumes. Your dedication page reads as this. To the saints and all saints, Little uh, Shell Ford, uh, England, 1997 to 2004, with thanks for all you taught me of the love of Jesus Christ. And when I read your dedication page, Christopher, my mind immediately went to, what is it like to uh, traverse this world with all of the brokenness and all of the suffering in it, inside of covenant community, within, uh, within the context of a family of faith, like All Saints, uh, versus outside of it. I think there's much to be said about the beauty of the local church and the communion of believers. Can you talk somewhat about that? Yes, uh, All
1: Saints, it, it's a small fellowship in a village just outside Cambridge, and I was the pastor. And there were precious years there with uh, those going through difficult times as there is are, are in every church. But with faith, and I can remember some pastoral visits to one or two going through very difficult times with much suffering, and you weep with them, and yet there's faith there in Christ, and Christ holds on to them through the darkness. And I first preached the book of Job or parts of the book of Job in that fellowship, and I learnt so much. I think I learnt I learnt from the book of Job, but I learnt from the brothers and sisters amongst whom I was opening it up. And I'm so thankful to God for them and for their faith and patient perseverance. Makes all the difference in the world rather than just privately reading the Bible.
0: I praise God for those who within the body of believers lead well. Thank God for those who serve well. But I praise God as well for those who suffer well. Uh, They become examples Mm. for us. Christopher, your book is uh, nothing short of a gift to the body of Christ. I'm grateful for God's grace at work in your life. Thank you again for carving out time to discuss how we can trust God in the darkness. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for inviting me, Chris. It's been a joy to be with you again. Folks, I want to encourage you. Uh, This is one of those books of the Bible that I know it's easy to overlook, to neglect, to not be drawn to, but Job has much to teach us about Jesus, and that's precisely the point. It is through the sufferings of Job that we are prepared for the suffering of a Savior who would come to uh, suffer for not his sin or iniquity, but for the sins of the world, and ultimately would provide redemption for all of us. If you don't know that salvation, I encourage you to turn to him and dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. Until we're together again next time, remember Equipped with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.